0: Uh, The Bible reading today is from Mark 2, 23 to 28. So just a quick prayer first. Dear Heavenly Father, please speak to us through your passage today so that we may grow in our knowledge and understanding of you. Help us to do as you say and obey you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, he was the fastest man in Britain, and he had set a record that couldn't be broken for 35 years. In a race at the A Championships in 1923, he ran 100 yards in 9.7 seconds, and as you expect, he was Britain's greatest hope for a gold medal at the 1924 Paris Olympics. But just months before the opening ceremony, the schedule for the races was released. The 100 metres heat was going to be held on a Sunday. This obviously wasn't a problem for most people, but for Eric Little, he wasn't most people. He was a committed Christian, and for him, the Sunday was the Christian Sabbath. So even though he believed God made him fast so that he could run for God's glory, he couldn't run on the Sabbath. And that meant he couldn't compete in the 100 metre race at the Olympics. Now, I don't know whether you observed the Sabbath or not, but one thing we must understand is that it was one of the most sacred laws to Jews. You see, if you were a Jew 2,000 years ago living amongst pagans, apart from the promises of God and the mighty acts of God, observing the Sabbath law was probably what distinguished you most from all the other nations. While pagans tilled the land on the Sabbath, Jews rested on the Sabbath. While pagans did business on the Sabbath, Jews rested on the Sabbath. You see, the Jewish temple and its sacrificial system weren't unique. Pagans worshipped the temples too. They also had their own priests and made their own sacrifices to their own gods at their own temples. They had their own laws and rules and regulations, but none of them kept the Sabbath like the Jews. You see, after God saved Israel from slavery in Egypt, He gave them the Ten Commandments, the laws by which they were to obey God and live as God's people. And the fourth commandment concerns the Sabbath. And so we read in Exodus chapter 20 from verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So Sabbath observance was unique to Israel. It wasn't the only thing that was unique, but it was a practice that clearly distinguished the Jews from the pagans, God's people, from God's enemies, week after week. And so it was an an important law, not only to keep, but to ensure that you never broke it. Even though little was willing to lose the gold medal to observe the Sabbath, the Sabbath law was so important to Jews that they were willing to lose their lives to ensure that they observed the Sabbath. So around 160 B.C. when Antiochus IV Epiphanes was the reigning Greek king, he outlawed Jewish religious rites and ordered them to worship Zeus as their supreme god. And as you'd expect, the Jews refused. So he sent in an army to force them to comply. Now the Jews had no problems bearing arms. They were willing to fight Antiochus to the death. But when the Greek army picked a fight on a Sabbath, the Jews chose to suffer and even die rather than break Sabbath by fighting and defending their for their own lives on the Sabbath. We see this in a Jewish apocryphal writing, 1 Maccabees, chapter 2. So one of the leaders is recorded in this book saying this, let us all die in our innocence. Heaven and earth testify for us that you are killing us unjustly. So they, that is the Greek army, attacked them, attacked the Jews On the Sabbath. And they died with their wives and children and livestock to the number of a thousand persons. Rather than draw the sword and defend themselves on the Sabbath, the Jews were massacred and died on the Sabbath, men along with their wives, children along with their livestock. Now you can see here, can't you, that the Sabbath was so important to the Jews that they were willing to die to ensure that they didn't break it. Now, what do you think that they did to ensure that they would never break the law? What else would they have done? Well, what we see is that they created somewhat of a hedge around the law to protect the law so that they would never come close to breaking the law. It's a bit like this. Uh, When I was growing up, I thought it was completely normal for your mattress to be wrapped in plastic. Uh, every time I turned in my bed, I'd hear the crinkling sound of plastic. But that's just normal, isn't it? Well, apparently not. After sleeping on the same bed for 20 or so years, the mattress had my indentation. But apart from that, it was good as new. Now, I love my parents. They, they had the right idea. They wanted to keep the mattress clean. It, it makes me wonder how difficult it must have been to toilet train. Wrapping a mattress with plastic protects it from accidents and dirt. But but what it meant was that I never really enjoyed the mattress as it was designed. I never had a good and peaceful night's sleep without the crinkling sound of plastic. And in a similar way, that's what ended up happening with the Sabbath law. The Sabbath law was so important to the Jews that they protected it. They covered it up with plastic as it were. They made up other laws concerning the Sabbath that God never prescribed. And they did that in order to preserve the Sabbath law, to create a hedge around it, to regulate the law to a T so that they would never come close to breaking the law itself. And so, for example, if you want to move your coat from your bedroom to your lounge room on the Sabbath, can you do that? Well, the Bible isn't that prescriptive. So the Jews made up laws to prescribe exactly what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. And so the answer for them during Jesus' time was a yes and a no because if it's a coat you're wearing, you can. But if it's a coat you're carrying, then you can't. So if I'm not wearing the coat, then I'll put it on, walk to the lounge room, take it off. Mission accomplished. I've moved the coat without breaking the Sabbath. In fact, there are 39 areas of work that's explicitly forbidden on the Sabbath according to Mishnah Shabbat, chapter 7, verse 2, which is like a commentary uh, that the Jews put together to explain the laws. And so the Sabbath law was no longer something to be enjoyed, a day to rest in God's blessings, like sleeping in a bed with its plastic removed. But the Sabbath law became a tremendous burden on the people of God. You had to be so careful as to not even wet the plastic as it were lest you offend God and cause him to pour his wrath upon his people. You see, that's the historical context of today's passage. And, And that's crucial for us to understand if we're to appreciate today's passage, where there's an encounter with Jesus and the Pharisees on a Sabbath. So verse 23, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. Now, when I read this, I thought, aren't the the disciples stealing? Aren't they stealing from a random farmer? Well, well, they're not, actually, because in Deuteronomy 23, 25, we're told that it's okay to pick kernels with your hands. You just can't put a sickle to it. That is, you can't harvest it. And so Deuteronomy 23, 25, we we read, if you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you you must not put a sickle to their bed. Standing grain. And so the disciples weren't stealing, they were picking grain to eat. Now, the Pharisees knew this. So the issue wasn't whether the disciples were stealing or not. The problem the Pharisees had was that they were doing this on the Sabbath. The Pharisees believed that they were breaking the Sabbath law by picking heads of grain and eating. That for them constituted working on the Sabbath, breaking the Sabbath law. Verse 24 the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, what would you expect Jesus to say? Uh, Jesus could easily say, don't be ridiculous, Pharisees. Picking some heads of grain and eating them isn't work. It might be according to your definition, to your traditions, but it's nowhere in the Scripture. Now, that would have cut the conversation short, but Jesus would Be absolutely right. But instead of putting the objections to bed, he gives them a Bible study. Verse 25, he answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Jesus here is referring to a story in 1 Samuel chapter 21. It's during the period when King Saul was trying to kill David, even though David was God's anointed king. So David runs off to Nob with his men and they're starving. They haven't eaten for ages. So David asked Ahimelech, the priest there, for bread. But there wasn't any bread except consecrated bread, bread that only priests can eat according to the law. But David and his men are hungry, and so they eat it anyway. And so well, what's Jesus' point? How is it related to the Sabbath law? Well, let me explain with an illustration. A couple of years ago, I got woken up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. in the morning by the sound of a crash. So I got up, looked out the window, and the next thing I saw was a white van crashing into our car and driving off, crashing into other cars on the road. So I called triple zero The police arrived, they parked in the middle of the street, they caught on off the street, turned away traffic and told me to go home because they were bringing in sniffer dogs to track down the driver. You see, because police officers have certain authority and responsibility, they can park their cars anywhere they want and even reroute traffic and arrest criminals. And so what does this tell us about road laws, road rules? Well, road rules are there to serve a purpose, don't they, to to help us to get from point A to point B, to keep us safe, to ensure that everyone's driving on the left of the road so that we don't end up crashing into each other all the time and so forth. But when a more important purpose arises, like catching criminals, then some laws, like road rules, must be put aside for a time to serve this greater purpose, this more important purpose. You see, the police officers have a duty to catch criminals, to protect society, to keep us safe. And this duty is greater than obeying all road rules at all times. And so when there's a crime scene, the police officers have a duty to put the road rules aside for a time, to gather the evidence so that they can catch the criminals, even if it means diverting traffic away so that the detectives and the sniffer dogs are safe to investigate the crime scene. And that's the right thing to do, isn't it? And when the police officers do this, they're not breaking the law. They're not breaking any laws because the road rules were put aside for a time to serve a purpose. Just as the law that consecrated bread can only be eaten by priests was put aside for a time to serve a greater purpose, since David was God's anointed king since he and his companions were starving. Even though only priests can eat the consecrated bread, if David refused to eat the consecrated bread and die, that would have been foolish. That would have been to misunderstand the purpose of God's laws. Given the circumstances when he and his men were starving, eating consecrated bread was the right thing to do. David and his companions therefore didn't sin. The law was there to serve a purpose, and for a time that purpose was put aside so as to save life, to save the life of God's anointed and his men. You see, just as road rules are there for our goods, so the laws of God were there for the good of God's people. They weren't random laws to make life difficult. They were God's laws to set God's people apart from the rest of the world so that they will be a blessing and be a blessing to all nations. That's why Jesus can say in verse 27 that the Sabbath wasn't given to make life difficult for them. It wasn't meant to be a law to be observed at all costs, even at the cost of their own lives like it did the Maccabees. The Sabbath's a blessing to serve God's people, not a law to be observed at all costs as a burden on God's people. So verse 27, then he said to them, Jesus says, To the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. When the Pharisees decided what can and can't be done on the Sabbath, and when they imposed their traditions and interpretations on God's people as though they were God's laws, they were behaving like that. They, They were the lords of the Sabbath. They were the boss that it was their law to give, their law to interpret, their law to impose, their law to enforce. But they got it all wrong. They got the law wrong because they got the intent of the law wrong. And so they got the application of the law wrong. And so Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He decides what the Sabbath means. It's his law and his law to be understood. So when the Pharisees made the Sabbath a heavy burden on God's people, Jesus clarifies that the Sabbath is a blessing for God's people. When the Pharisees offered legalism, Jesus offers rest, rest from legalism, rest from our own efforts to meet the demands of the law, rest from salvation by works, rest to enjoy salvation by grace. Aren't you glad that Jesus is our Lord, that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath? The Lord of all laws and not the Pharisees. Now, different people have different ideas about the Sabbath. Little had one and you probably have one. I know a Christian who thinks it's sinful to go shopping on Sundays. And another Christian who spends most of his Sundays reading the Bible to do anything else would be to break the Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath for him. And of course, there are the Seventh day Adventists. They believe that Christians must keep the Sabbath like Jews from Sunset Friday to Sunset Saturday. This belief is so central and important to them that they would say that the test of true Christian discipleship is based on Sabbath observance. So, SDAs believe that by meeting for church day on a Sunday, then we're actually sinning against God. We're choosing to disobey God's clear instruction to meet for church on Saturday. In fact, some SDAs would go so far as to say that Christians who fail to observe the Sabbath according to the Old Testament law might not be saved at all. They're not true Christians, and so they may not enter God's rest. Now, whatever our views are on the Sabbath, we need to be careful, don't we? On the one hand, we need to be careful not to become like the Pharisees, and fall into the trap of legalism. On the other hand, we need to be careful not to become judgmental and fall into the trap of liberalism. Different Christians will apply the Sabbath law differently, and that's okay. That's the point Paul makes in his letter to the Romans in chapter 14 from verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Paul's point in Romans makes it very clear that the Old Testament Sabbath law doesn't apply to Christians in the same way that it did for the Jews. There's freedom for Christians in the way they understand the Sabbath law and in the way they apply the Sabbath law in their own lives, so long as they do it to the Lord. So certain days of the week are more important to you than others, that's great. But keep it between you and God. Don't make your interpretation of the law a law to impose on others, like the Pharisees did. And if you notice other Christians consider one day more sacred than another, and for you every day is the same, then respect their decision and be careful not to be quick to judge them as legalistic and pharisaic. As for me, the way I understand the Sabbath as a Christian is that it's not a law to be obeyed, but a principle to be observed. That is, we should rest from our work one day in seven, so that we're reminded each week that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word of God, that we can find rest from our toilsome labour, In Jesus, who offers us true rest. Now, in case you haven't already worked out, Eric Little's story was made famous by the Oscar-winning movie, Chariots of Fire. Little didn't compete in the 100 metres at the Olympics because for him it would have been sinful to do. But fast forward 20 years, he's a missionary in China. He's captured by the Japanese and imprisoned in internment camp. One of the things he loved doing while in the camp was to organise sports for the kids. When a group of teenagers wanted to play hockey on one Sunday, Eric said that they could have the equipment, but he couldn't umpire for them because it was his Sabbath. And so the kids went out to play, but they ended up in a big fight because there was no, there was no umpire. And so what did Little do? He went onto the field and umpired the game, even though it was his Sabbath. In Sally Magnuson's biography of Eric in the Flying Scotsman, she says this, he would not run on a Sunday for an Olympic gold medal in the 100 metres and all the glory in the world, but he refereed a game on Sunday. He broke his unbreakable principle just to keep a handful of imprisoned youngsters at peace with each other. Little had a strict view of the Sabbath, but he was no Pharisee. He understood what God meant when he says that he desires mercy and not sacrifice, and to love God and neighbor. Eric refused to run for an Olympic gold medal for all its glory, but he was quick to love his neighbors for God's glory. So even though I don't agree with Eric Little's view of the Sabbath, I respect him very highly as a man of integrity, for he was no Pharisee. The Sabbath law was never a burden for him to obey at all costs, but a blessing from God for him to enjoy in all its freedom. So, friends, whatever you believe about the Sabbath, however you observe the Sabbath, is it something that causes you to delight in God or has it become a burden to observe? Is it a law you keep at all costs, lest you sin? Or is it a principle you observe that brings you joy in God? Amen.